The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus to bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. And welcome. My name is Timothy Swindlers. I am one of your trio of co-hosts on this 87th edition of The Other Side of the News. I'm speaking to you this early morning from the Aegean coastline in southwest Turkey. And we'll soon be joined by Kintia from her infamous wheelhouse nearby Berkeley and Annette Driscoll, who is also currently in the Bay Area. This show is entitled Ambush on Humanity. Are we currently at the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning in this Ambush on Humanity? We at the other side of the news have been reporting numerous fractures in the armor of this pandemic since March 2020. And while sharing the latest independent news with you, we have brought you a long line of credentialed individuals, guests from all walks of life, who evolve and validate our discussions with a view to help propagate these fractures into larger cracks. This week, we have positive news of multiple events giving away that show we have now reached a significant milestone, whether for better or for worse remains to be seen. We need more than ever to filter the signal from the noise and only by cross-referencing information with multiple independent sources can we hope to discern the truth. The question remains, are we about to enter an interval while the minority attempts to install new legislation for future chapters in their dystopian strategy, while distracting the people with more variants, uh, vax mandates, case numbers, brinkmanship of war, natural disasters, and of course, climate catastrophe, etc. Or could this attempted tyrannical world takeover really have lost momentum or better burned itself out completely? just before meeting the minority's goal to bring in the new world order and begin the fourth industrial revolution. Clearly, this is up to us. Whether or not this is just an interval between battles, I believe it does signify the beginning of a new renaissance, as there are more people than ever before who have now awakened from the programmed life many of us have previously been part of generations, or perhaps even aeons. This week, as the Freedom Convoy, comprising of hundreds of trucks, continues to make its way towards Ottawa, 
According to the Guinness Book of Records, this may be the largest convoy in human history. It'll be very interesting to see what sort of welcome the drivers will receive in Ottawa and what may result from their interactions with the government. One thing for sure, there are sufficient trucks to create a blockade around the government buildings. A fortress of steel, wheels, will be challenging to tow away. In the UK, the government has this week announced an end to most COVID protocols, or not so very long after Ojo's party gate exposure. And following criminal investigations in the government officials seriously mishandling the pandemic, have been opened at more than one branch of the UK police. And the Danish government has also lifted all COVID restrictions, hot on the tails of the main national newspaper, making a formal apology for not correctly reporting events before and during the COVID pandemic. Incidentally, I chatted with Mads Palgig this morning, who is Look very much looking forward to join us in the near future to update us on his work. He and his organization, JFK21, are put into action in their New Year declaration. And amid all of this, this short video call appeared on the horizon. Keith, please roll my stand deck today. This uh, doctor says apparently there's new data on safety and um, some medical people think that the vaccines are about to be recalled. Well, let's listen to this, see what she says. There wasn't enough information, uh, and it's a lot more coming up now. And especially uh, for the young um, people whose um, immunity is intact, uh, apparently that's enough. Okay. Okay. So. Questions? Yeah. So I'll just sorry, just to make sure. So you you think I shouldn't have any more vaccines? Um. If you ask me, this is this would be my advice. But, yeah. Okay. And is that just because you don't think any like anyone should have that vaccine at a young age or is that because you medically I should have it because of my because head? Okay. 
Well, that is a long story. I think we're all curious to hear more about when it is finally revealed. This is the voice of a British woman who is suffering adverse reactions to an experimental injection, apparently conversing with a doctor who is part of the National Health Service's helpline. And quality is not perfect, but if you do want to watch the recording, there's a video recording, and uh, that can be found in my links in our Telegram channel. So even Biden has finally caught up with the recent Supreme Court action to overthrow and withdraw his vax mandate on companies that employ more than 99 people. While it's far too late for many, this appears to be another piece of good news. However, is this all a setup simply to install ETS protocols for future battles? For example, I found a document dated January the 5th this year on the UK's government website entitled Build Back Better, Our Plan for Health and Social Care. Well, you, uh, you can also find that on our Telegram channel. Unless you are completely new to following this show, you'll already know the words Build Back Better are a dead giveaway used by the minority's puppet leaders to manifest the new world order. I very much look forward to hearing our guests' perspective regarding this essential awakening process, all with a view to illuminate the best path to lead us to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofthenews.com, where you will see quick links to our independent Rumble and Telegram channels, details for each show, which include links to our bios, show items, references, and selective research. As usual, there's a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to study them and even download your own copies sooner than later as the censorship robots work around the clock to rewrite our history in real time. During the last week, we have been inundated by another wave of remarkable events and headlines reported in the news to discuss, validate, and present each topic in correct context could all too easily fill up an entire show by itself. As the other side of the news is not as their typical news show, and in order to make the best use of our available airtime, we should plot a direct course to greet the rest of our team and to introduce our guest, our return guest, actually, Brian Isley. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Anetta. Can you report any signs of COVID U-turns in California, or are they trying to push the new stealth Omicron variant onto you? <laughs> well... Uh, I don't really know what they're trying to do here. I know there's a lot of people that believe that's true around here because I live in the heart of it. Um, but it's really, I think it's, it's been just an absolutely fascinating week, and I'm getting to be sounding like the same every week, thinking, oh, my gosh, there's so much that's happened this week. It's just, like, incredible. But this week, truly, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, you know, the media is really getting caught with, you know, their pants, and their pants not only down, but like they, they need they need to be wearing depends. You know, things aren't working out so well for them. Um, they're getting caught left, right, and center in lying, and they're so sloppy. I mean, I, I kind of wonder who's doing what and who. For example, um, unfortunately, the Hungarian uh, gymnast who's a gold medalist, um, and I, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. It looks like Sylvester. Uh, Casole, Casolene, I'm not sure how to say it, uh, but he died. He, he uh, was in great shape. Uh, you can look at the photographs, you can see that. 
And uh, they tried to say that he was an anti-vaxxer, and yet in the article, he had just gotten his uh, vaccine, and he, has, he was fully vaccinated, in other words, booster the whole, the whole bit, right? And so they're getting caught in their own, in their own stuff. Um, uh, Neil Young, I'm not a fan of Neil Young, never was. I found him to be an old has-been, maybe a, you know, I don't know, his personal taste. But anyway, he tried to uh, push Spotify to get rid of Joe Rogan because of Joe Rogan's vaccine uh, stance, actually the jab stance and his stance with ivermectin. And uh, anyway, Neil Young ended up on the, the losing end of that, that poopy stick. Cause you know, I believe it's really about money because there's a very large contract with Joe Rogan. I don't think that Spotify is a good corporation. They've, they have censored the living daylights out of truthers but there's too much money involved with the Rogan show to, to pick uh, Neil Young isn't worth nearly as much as Joe Rogan, what it comes down to. But it's interesting that this is all coming up. And then um, as far as things going on, I want to talk about the truckers in Canada, because that's just amazing. Uh, so when I last checked, I mean, I've, I've been looking, but I didn't check the numbers, but last night there were 55,000, 55,000 trucks. Uh, this convoy is going across uh, Canada. It's going from the west to east to Ottawa. And then there's one from the east to the west. And then there's one that's coming up uh, from the south, which is the United States. And the United States is about 30,000 trucks so far. And I was looking at videos where they were all jammed up at the border crossing going into Canada. And I've been through that thing quite a few times, so I can tell you it was Buffalo. Um, New York. So, you know, I don't know how big the convoy is from um, uh, the other side, from the east, but uh, I do know that the one coming from the west coast is, uh, was, and it's growing uh, every every moment. It's growing because there's all kinds of, of trucks, other trucks, uh, pickup trucks, people's cars, RVs, everybody's joining in, and the roads are absolutely lined with thousands and thousands of people and you have to understand that it's really cold up there um the one they said it was 30 below that was celsius which is 22 below fahrenheit and it's windy and cold and they're standing out there um supporting their fellow canadians which is is just a great example and the the big accomplishment i mean i know they're going to accomplish something because they're going in and they're going to demand um that they they basically they aren't talking about the jab what they're talking about is all the the erosion of freedoms and, and the mandates and all that they're like no more there's just no more and they have said that they're not going to be leaving until they get what they want so this will be really interesting meanwhile the um old lizard there you know trudeau goes slinking out of the uh parliament building saying that he was exposed to someone who had covid even though he's testing negative he's going to self-quarantine in his little cabin and he's just He's just a worthless piece of crap. But anyway, it's very interesting. Uh, the CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, that's their main thing up there. And uh, it is doing the same as all the other news things. But they're really getting called out. I saw this really funny video where they're filming the wrong direction. In other words, they're filming on the edge of a thing. And they're showing a few people. And they're saying, oh, this is just a fringe movement. And people are filming them filming it and calling them out. And they basically got run off because if they would just turn around, they were literally probably 
several thousand people if they just turn the cameras 180 degrees, which is a favorite trick. I was telling Cynthia back in the 1989 earthquake in San Francisco, I watched Tom Brokaw do this, and he was standing, so the picture's framed up, he was standing there in front of this building uh, that pancaked, and they were very dramatic pancakes, and there was a little bit of a gas fire going there, and this and that, and he's standing there, and he's eluding that, that the entire city looks like this, and the fact is they had to pretty hard to find that one building to stage this in front of. So that's the, the news has been up to this forever is what I'm saying. They've been pulling this trick for a long time. So, but anyway, the truckers in Canada has really brought the national pride up, brought people together, and it's and you know it's brought vaccinated and non-vaccinated. It's brought everybody together for this movement and united people and given them hope. And it's amazing. And I hope that this will spread all over the planet because this is really an incredible talk about a, a groundswell. This is it. So that was this week. Very, very good stuff. Um, unfortunately, some of the various data came out and um, this one's a little bit old, this, this particular one, because I know it's higher than this now because I just checked, but I'm going to use these numbers since I have them. Um, so at the time when this, you know, when we were looking at this, it was 927,000 adverse events and uh, 21,000 deaths. Now, to put that in perspective, that 21,000 deaths is of the, all the deaths that occurred from all vaccines in the past 30 years that have been reported to the various reporting system. And that's in the past 11 months. So, and the, uh, the adverse events, um, uh, it's 52% have been in the last 11 months, uh, versus the, uh, last 30 years. So that's pretty disheartening. I also, um, they have reported uh, 2,809 spontaneous abortions. So that's, that's women that miscarry their, their pregnancies and prematurely. Um, so they did a study where they, because the various data is very underreported this. So they did a study and calculated exactly what they really think it is. And they believe it's somewhere between 82 and 91% of all pregnancies that are 20 weeks old or less than they're 20 weeks along. Uh, are ended uh, after taking the vaccine, 82 to 91%. So this is genocide, it's murder, and uh, it's really awful. But it is coming out to the public, and there's been, um, we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but Thomas Rents talked about this, and uh, he's the uh, attorney from Ohio that's bringing, that's bringing hellfire down in the court system, and he's really uh, a patriot. And uh, he was there uh, with the Ron Johnson put on a congressional uh, hearing uh, and brought, home, brought in all these whistleblowers and many of them from the military, et cetera. The data is irrefutable. Uh, so a lot of things are being revealed. So I'd say, you know, although it's kind of upsetting news, some of this is not so great, but it is great that it's getting out there and it's really, uh, really getting kind of, wonderful as far as, as people coming together and, and bringing an end to this tyranny. So that's kind of my wrap up for the, the week is the way I see it. So I know Kintia has always has things too. So I'm going to pass it to her. All right. Thank you. And Annetta, I need that charger. <laughs> <ASAP. Okay. laughs> All right. So we're, we're, uh, anyway, <laughs> 
I'm uh, really happy to be on the show tonight. I want to call the attention of everyone to a special event that's happening tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific time, and that's going to be an interview with Robert Kennedy Jr. and uh, Foster Gamble. They're going to be talking about law and liberation, ripping the veil off Big Pharma's agenda. So they're going to discuss uh, Kennedy's new book, The Real, Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health. And they'll also discuss strategies for using the rule of law. Remember, we talked about this last week, the rule of law to defend our children and prosecute the global criminals threatening the well-being and the very existence of humanity. So that's going to be a powerful, and it's free. It's a free event. I highly encourage you. So that is at, as I said, 11 a.m. Pacific, which is 2 p.m. Eastern. And the link is on the page. It's the first link in my items. And or you can go to Thrive Network, the Freedom Portal. So tonight uh, is also a night that I'm celebrating having gone in many more uh, shops and stores without the mask and less encounters. And every time they say something to me, I'm just pointing out the Supreme Court and they are uh they don't know what to say (laughs) they don't know what to say and i just go about my duties and tasks and get done what i need to get done so we have a really powerful guest tonight brian isley is the founder and chairman of we the people oc at orange county a team of concerned citizens who are seeking to hold elected public officials accountable for their actions to ensure that they understand they represent we the people, not govern us. And uh, when he's not busy, he's leading his team in the efforts. He serves as an executive director and CEO of a medical practice in Southern California, which focuses upon helping patients to remain healthy and live longer and more full lives. This includes both the physical and spiritual aspects of their lives. He and his partner are in the process of expanding their practice and have a five-year plan of opening six additional sites across the U.S. In addition, they are involved in the development of a wellness mentoring program that will be rolled out to cooperate to core, I'm sorry, that will be rolled out to corporations to help identify high-risk employees and help them to lower their risk of serious illness. So, Brian, being the political activist that you are, last time you were mentioning a lot of things, and folks, I want to let you know, his first link on the page goes to the last time he was on the show. And I'm so curious, what's your update? Because a lot is happening, and I'd love to hear from you what is going on. Welcome to the show, to the other side of the news, Brian. Well, thank you. I'm uh, glad that I'm here. I appreciate being able to come back on. So we have had a lot of activity down here in Orange County of late. Uh, we are in the middle of a signature gathering on four of the five Board of Supervisors, and um, that is progressing. So we, we think that we will have enough signatures to at least put two of them on a special ballot to have them removed from office. 
And then after, while we're doing that, we're also um, in a forensic audit of our director of public health, who has been making very broad brush statements about the safety and efficacy of this vaccine, which they have no data to prove. And that is a, a major problem, obviously. So, so we are working very hard here to make that happen. We just recently started a new organization called We the People Coalition. And We the People Coalition is um, right now seven counties in Southern California. We are uh, putting together events so uh, that will draw large groups because one of the problems that we have in our side of this is it's a bunch of small groups. You throw an event together and you might get two to 300 people. So the world looks at us and says, why isn't the United States standing up? And we are standing up, but we're not standing up in large numbers because of the counties and things like this. We're kind of fractured. So what we've done is put a coalition together, and this coalition is out sponsoring larger events. So we held our first event in San Diego two weeks ago, and it was called the Freedom Revival. And we had about 7,500 people show up. And we did this, pulled it together in six weeks from start to finish. So we didn't have much advertising on it, and we still were able to bring in 7,500 people. The interesting part was we invited the news media, and no one showed up because they weren't interested. Big surprise. Right, big surprise. It's, it's sort of like what you were talking about with the um, Canadian convoy, right, where they're saying, oh, there's a couple of hundred people here. And literally, if they pan the other direction, there are thousands. And we've, we've seen that here um, about six months ago. We had a protest at the Board of Supervisors meeting here in Orange County, and we had approximately 1,800 people show up. So the news media did come to that event, and they have the um, newscaster standing there talking about the fact, oh, there are a couple of dozen people here, and the cameraman pans the crowd, and within that pan, you can see about 1,000 people. <laughs> So the media definitely is trying to squash people from understanding that we have all this going on. And I wanted to throw one other thing in, which I think is interesting. So you're talking about the Canadian convoy, and there are a ton of U.S. truckers joining this convoy. So they announced today something called Convoy to D.C. 2022. So all of those truckers that are going to Ottawa are then going to be driving from California to Washington, D.C., Yes, picking up people all the way. They have a GoFundMe page, so the, it's called Convoy to D.C. 2022, I think .com or .org, I'm not sure which, um, and they have a GoFundMe page. So if anybody is interested in helping support these guys, because what most people don't know is these gentlemen and ladies that are driving these trucks have taken time off. They are not making any money. They are experiencing high fuel costs. And as a result, they need money to help them actually drive that far. So I, I love this kind of stuff because this is how we get the rest of the world to know that the United States is doing things as well. Because one of the problems that we have is most of the world doesn't think we're doing anything. Because our news media is not covering it, 
and we're not having the hundreds of thousands of people line the streets like we've had in London and in Germany and so forth. So the We the People Coalition, the idea behind it is start here in California, and then we move it across the United States, and we start having chapters spring up all across the country. And we have the infrastructure in place to support that so that everyone will know this is what's going on. And that's really, really important right now, because while we have, I think, the enemy, I'll call them, on their heels a little bit, we cannot let up. If we back off because we say, oh, great, you know, their vaccine mandates are going away and so on and so forth, they will just come back at us again. So we cannot, under any circumstances, back off of where we are going right now. It's more important than ever that we push forward, in fact. Well, um, I definitely want to put a link up to where they can donate to this. And uh, we are at the bottom of the hour. So we'll continue this conversation on the other side. You're listening to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is Brian Isley. And the show is called Ambush on Humanity. Co-hosting are Timothy Saunders, Annette Driscoll, and myself, Kinzia. And we shall return. My background in education is in uh, evidence-based medicine and research methods out of the University of Toronto. Graduate school there, then I went on to Oxford in evidence-based medicine. And then on to McMaster, my doctorate and postdoc in evidence-based medicine. I also did some certificate program at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore in biological warfare, weaponization of pathogen in 2001. Basically, how you would take viruses, bacteria, etc., any type of pathogen, in and weaponize them, put them on a missile, to use them for nefarious means. And I wanted to learn, as an epidemiologist, in case my city or my country, just to understand how it works and if that can be done. I was working at the WHO, American Health, mid 2019. And then we started to get these cases out of Italy in January, February. These, these images on the television of people dropping dead. I'm speaking to you honestly, as a scientist, but openly. Those images out of China were fake. That was part of this game, scared the world. At that time, WHO asked me to change my position and to become a pandemic advisor to them because they were the global agency and they didn't know what was going on. Because of my training in evidence-based medicine and uh, research methods in clinical epidemiology, they wanted me to help them understand what was coming out of China and Italy. So I actually was connected to WHO and PAHO at the beginning of the COVID outbreak. And a lot of their messaging was from me. People like me behind the scenes we took a lot of beating from the press and hammering because we were calling for a balanced age risk stratified approach. Damage had already been done by Fauci and Brooks. It was Fauci and Brooks' lockdowns that harmed America, killed people. Many people died in America because of their lockdowns. Ms. Fauci refused us to admit and to recognize the potency of early outpatient treatment. But the groups I work with now, like Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Peter McCullough, etc., 
we champion all the treatments and we have, you know, the treatment plans and stuff where you treat the infected high-risk person early, prevent hospitalization and death. Fauci and they damaged us in that regard. They will refuse to recognize the antivirals. We have estimates now of the 750,000 Americans, quote-unquote, who may have died from COVID. About 700,000 will be alive today, 90%. Oh and that's our man. When we look at the data, thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans died because of the NIH and the CDC refusal to allow doctors to prescribe early outpatient treatment. I have many, I know many doctors, many of them across America, right now fighting the state boards and stuff for their licenses. The licenses have been stopped or pulled. The treatment was being fired because they prescribed early treatment that was helping their patients. I'm Dr. Paul Alexander, and uh, I have really thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to be on the other side of the news because it has shown me to be one of the forums that's probably one of the only forums that allows one to be fully expressive and to, uh, and to share how they really feel about the events um, in the hopes of sharing with a larger audience and an exchange of ideas so that people can become much more informed and understand the situation around them for their own decision-making. So I am very thankful of this opportunity for the other side of the news. And welcome back to the other side of the news. This is Kinthea, along with Timothy Saunders and Annette Driscoll, and we have an amazing guest tonight, Brian Isley. The show is called Ambush on Humanity. So, Brian, I was like just jumping up with joy as I was listening to you about how these truckers were going to continue their campaign all the way across the state. I mean, imagine I I mean, we've we've been talking about, oh, the military is going to step in or these people are going to do that or blah, blah, blah. But truckers, I never thought of truckers, except that. Annetta showed me this Simpson cartoon, and I don't know if it's recent or old, but it's talking about the truckers. And so it makes me wonder, well, is this remote viewing or is this, what is this? But the fact that the truckers, the people, the grassroots are literally making a wall of steel. (laughs) It's fantastic. I love it. So tell me more. Well, I I don't know much more about than what I told you, which is I know that they have decided that they are going to do a convoy from California all the way to Washington, D.C. And what I can tell you is, you know, when we talk about the ambush, right, it's one of the things that has happened in the last two years is our governor, Governor Newsom here in California, has been attacking us by trying to create shortages and so forth. And he did that by attacking the truckers. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but January 1 of 2021, there was a new law. Well, it was an edict put forth by Newsom. It was not a law. It was an executive order that banned all Class 8 trucks that were, over, were manufactured before 2013. And that has had a huge impact on us because 65% of the tractors that haul freight away from the port of Long Beach were built before 2013. 
Mm. So we noticed, because I live right on the right by the water, um, just outside of, of the Long Beach port, and we noticed about mid to late January of 2021 that all of a sudden there were all these freighters sitting outside the port, and we couldn't figure out what it was. Well, then we found out that Newsom had banned all of these trucks because he says they're you know too dirty and they're causing greenhouse gases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the problem is, and this is just part of the attack on us, is that this governor decided unilaterally that he was going to do this uh, for his political agenda, which had nothing to do with reality. And now as a result, we have a, a class eight truck in order to take things off of this, the, out of the harbor, has to drive from Long Beach Harbor all the way to Arizona, where they're met by another tractor who will take that, that trailer and haul it the rest of the way across the United States. And well, then that, that tractor, would piss off a lot of truckers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> these guys, you know, these guys can't work, right? Because they have had their livelihood taken away from them because of a governor who is using an emergency order and is power hungry. And, you know, none of this makes any sense. So this is one of the ways that these guys are actually trying to ambush us because at first I didn't know, I was wondering what's going on with this. Right. And, you know, they were trying to say, Oh, it's COVID. So their dock workers are all sick, so they can't work. Well, that's not what it was, Mm -hmm. but they did a smoke screen, which is they're really good at, you know, telling you that it's this when it's really something else. I think they call that sleight of hand. Look over Mm -hmm. here and, oh, by the way, we're going to do something over here, but you're so busy looking that way, you don't notice it. So that's what they were doing was they were saying, well, it's all COVID and therefore there aren't the dock workers to to take this stuff and put it onto the semis and drive out when the reality is that was not what it was at all. So, you know, this this is an interesting thing that is occurring. So I can easily see why the truckers mm-hmm. would be willing to drive across the United States. Do you think is the next group of uh, people that are galvanized? I personally think it's going to be healthcare workers mm-hmm. because um, as you know, up in your area, um, Kaiser is one of the big employers up there and November one, they fired anybody who was not vaccinated. So when you hear about the fact that the hospitals are overrun and there's no space in the hospitals, that's actually not true. What it is, it's a shortage of, of healthcare workers because they were about 35% of the healthcare workers were fired from their jobs. Mm-hmm. And now you have wings of hospitals that are closed because they don't have space. They don't have people and they're not going to have people. You know, it's ironic that what's happening is in some states, you've actually got um, uh, FEMA workers coming in to replace the hospital workers. And the interesting thing is FEMA does not have a mandate on vaccines. So the workers coming in to replace the hospital workers actually don't have to be vaccinated. But yet they fired all the people that refused to get vaccinated. Uh-huh. So I think there's going to be a huge backlash from all of those folks. And I think we're starting to see it. You know, people are starting to get organized and we're starting to see some class action lawsuits coming along. And that's what's going to have to happen is well, we have to really hold these people accountable. Mm-hmm. 
So what about this thing where uh, the Biden administration is trying to push forward that anyone that goes against their point of view is a terrorist? I mean, like going after parents at school board meetings even. Well, my personal opinion on that is it's insanity. Uh, obviously, we, we know that these folks are not terrorists, right? And, and I think it goes back, and if you look at what has been happening over the last two years, and even before that, um, there has always been this fear-mongering. And that's what they're trying to do with this. You know, they're trying to call people terrorists to strike fear to shut them up and to make them stop doing what they're doing. And, you know, that's a Nazi uh, technique is to actually do things to scare people so they will just become subservient. And that's what they're trying to do with this. It, there, it makes no sense otherwise that they would do that. You know, and, and they actually, the National School Board Association did back off of their statement about them being terrorists after they got such a massive backlash. <laughs> And that's what we have to do. You know, we have to stand up and say, no, we are not going to do this. And, you know, turn that, turn it the other way around mm-hmm. and put the fear into them, which I do believe is happening. I really do. I mean, you saw it in, in Britain this week and where Boris Johnson all of a sudden gets, does away with all of his mandates, right? Right. Backpedaling. The reason he did it was because they were talking about removing him from office. Had nothing to do with anything else. But he realized he'd overstepped his boundaries and he wants to keep his big fat job and his big fat paycheck Mm -hmm. uh, along with his wild hair. And, (laughs) you know, I mean, so you're seeing that all over the place right now where people are starting to backpedal. Even the director of the CDC, uh, Raquel Walensky, you know, has started to actually back off of some of her statements and is now saying, well, we're, we're going to have to learn to live with COVID mm-hmm. because enough people are pushing back. I that, hope these people will be held accountable. You know, well, like they can't just turn around and now they take a different view and now they're not guilty. They are very guilty. They are exceptionally guilty, and I am with you on that. And if any, if we have our way, um, they will be held accountable because they have to be. You know, as as the as the information comes out that what we have been sold over the last two years is a bill of goods, and that there was never a need for a pandemic, there was never a need for a vaccine, and in fact, the vaccine is not safe. It is not effective. And we'll get into that when we get into the medical Mm -hmm. stuff about how ineffective it really is. People are beginning, you know, um, I just uh, listened to a thing with uh, a basketball player, an NBA basketball player who refused to get vaccinated. And he has continued to play. They have allowed him to play. And he said in his interview that he's been talking to the players who are vaccinated. And they are all refusing to get the booster uh-huh. because a lot of them got two shots and then they got COVID. And they're uh-huh. going, why would I get another shot when, A, I took two and I still got sick, and B, I should now be immune? Right. right. <laughs> I mean, it's so, just, even an elementary school child would be wondering at this. It's just 
blows my mind that there are people lining up for boosters. I just can't it's mind-boggling of it. to me. I, I don't understand it, but you know, it's it's what we're seeing. You know, Our, and it's like I go to uh, the hospital. I, I've, I've got a friend who I've been helping at the hospital these past this past month, and I see some of the nurses with two masks and I think to myself, I don't want that nurse. (laughs) Clearly if they're wearing two masks, they really are brainwashed. Well, it's amazing to me in our, in our medical office building, we have a practitioner on our same floor who has, who had a sign up until about last month. And she finally took it down that you could not walk in her office period. Everything had to be on the phone. She would not allow anyone to walk in her office because she was so scared. She's a doctor. Oh, my goodness. And yet she is scared enough that she won't let people come in her office and see them face to face. I wonder you, what it's going to be like for her when, when the news gets out. You know, we, we've been struggling with what these people are going to do. Now, what we really know is that so many, and, and then I guess I'll just kind of get into this. Um, you know, our healthcare system is absolutely corrupted. And it starts with federal money. All of these doctors that we've wondered, why aren't they speaking up? They aren't speaking up because they're afraid to speak up because their livelihood is put at risk. No, um, there's a medical system out there that if you dared to prescribe ivermectin, for example, mm-hmm. you get fired. And it's a big medical system, and you've heard of them. I just won't mention their name. And you know, you just are blown away by what is happening around the country because of essentially money. Because that's right. what this all comes down to, whether it's on the government side or whether it's on the healthcare side. Well, I know that Annetta really wants to talk to you about the money side of it. So let's bring Annetta in. Hi, Annetta. <laughs> Hello. Yes, I do. I want to talk about that thing that they're manipulating the medical system with. Um, all of the... Well, you know, there was, I, I put it up on my Telegram channel, Patrick Henry, uh, and I need to put it up on the uh, our other one, too. I was looking for it, and I kind of lost it. I put up a lot of stuff. So anyway, but they had, there was, there was a doctor who was breaking down every single um, amount of money for each uh, procedure that they get. When you go in the hospital, you literally have a target on your back, and they're, they're doing target practice until you're dead because that's when they get the biggest payoff. So do you want to go into that a little bit? Sure. So in 2020, the Congress passed this thing called the CARES Act. And in the CARES Act was additional funding for COVID. So what that CARES Act says, and, and what you have to remember about the American medical system, it is based on insurance reimbursements. And most of the reimbursement rates are set by Medicare. So if Medicare says we're going to do this, then all the other insurance companies follow suit. And that's a really important thing to understand. So Medicare is part of the U.S. government, right? Mm -hmm. So the U.S. government is basically saying 
And the, and the CARES Act specifically said if someone is marked as COVID, there, is an, there are two financial incentives. So the way Medicare works is – and if you've ever know anything about car dealerships, when a car dealer sells a new car, they make a little bit of profit. But the manufacturer does something called a dealer holdback, and that holdback – is an incentive that is paid at the beginning of the next year based on the number of cars they sell and so on and so forth. It can be as little as 1%. It can be as big as 5%. So it just depends on how many cars they sell as to what that is. And did they sell enough extended warranties? And I mean, all of these metrics, right? So customer satisfaction, you name it, all these things. The health insurance industry is no different. So Medicare, the way it works, is when I walk in the door and I'm admitted to the hospital, the hospital then says their daily rate on a room is, let's say, $2,000. We'll just use that number. doesn't matter what it is. When they submit that, and let's say you're there for 10 days, so we, that would be uh, 10 times 2,000, so that's $20,000, right? So they submit that bill. Medicare reimburses 70% of that. So whatever that number is, so that'd be $14,000, right? If you meet certain metrics such as, then we'll get into this conversation a little bit later, a standard of care, uh, having enough of your employees vaccinated, et cetera, all these criteria. These are called terms and conditions. So if you meet the terms and conditions, you get that other 30%. In, and so let's say it's 2020, in 2021, you get that other 30%. So what Congress did was say, oh, no, we're going to eliminate that metric, and instead we're going to give you the whole 100% right away. So immediately there's a 30% increase in compensation because it's not happening this year. It's happening next year, not this year, but now we're giving it to you now. In addition, if you market COVID, you get another 20%. So for a hospital corporation, that's about a 45% immediate payout. So if you bill, and it doesn't matter what the procedure is, if you bill it as a COVID procedure of some sort or the other, you get that extra 30 and then you get the extra 20 so when you read, and I, and I will say this, when you read, like they say, oh, well, you get $35,000 if you stick them on a ventilator. Well, it might work out to $35,000, but if they're on a ventilator for five days, it might be $15,000. If, if they're on a ventilator for 45 days, it might be $56,000. So there's no set number. It's all about the procedures that you do and what those charges are. So it benefits the hospital. So, for example, uh, when my father was in the hospital four weeks ago, they were doing a COVID test on him every four hours. Oh. So, and what they could do is they got to bill that COVID test every four hours, right? So, and then, and and you know, he did not test positive for COVID, so therefore they didn't get the extra bump on the twenty. But, you know, if, if he had been tested positive for COVID, they would have, you know, made a ton of money just off of doing those COVID tests every four hours. I mean, it was ridiculous. I was sitting there going, why are you testing him again? It doesn't make any sense. 
but the way the the Medicare process works and the way the government works is they're incentivizing the hospitals to do procedures. They're incentivizing them to do things that they don't necessarily need to do. Now, on the other hand, and this is a major problem, is there is this thing called standard of care. And standard of care is a metric that Medicare decided. And it is a, it's a protocol, essentially, that says that if you have a patient who you've diagnosed with this, you have to do these procedures, and you can't do other procedures. So in other words, in the case of my father, for example, he went in, he was tagged as pneumonia. Now, he was, the reason he was tagged pneumonia was because he was having breathing difficulties. And they did a chest x-ray, and they saw some abnormalities in his chest, so they called it pneumonia. What we know now, and what we've, what we've known for a while now, is that if you've been exposed to the vaccine or you've, or, or you've had the vaccine, it causes blood clots. So the shadows on his lungs that they saw were most likely blood clots. So we asked them to run a very simple test called a D-dimer, which looks for blood clots, and they refused, stating, that's not our protocol. And what that meant was if they ran that test, Medicare would not reimburse for it. So it's very interesting how this all works and the fact that the whole hospital experience is predicated on living up to Medicare-approved procedures. And if they aren't approved, the hospital gets no reimbursement. Um, I read the other day about a guy who uh, – he was a cardiologist and he did a, a treatment uh, for a patient that saved his life. And Medicare refused to reimburse him at all for his time and effort because they said it wasn't the standard protocol. So we have a problem in our medical system where, again, going back to our theme, where they're actually ambushing us because they're driving certain behaviors through the carrot and the stick. And the carrot is the money. But we're going to give you 20% more if you mark this as COVID. But we're not going to give it to you if you don't do certain things. So that causes a lot of um, problems, the hospital system, as it sits today. Uh, I, for one, would never go to a hospital right now. Even if I had a heart attack, I'd stay at home because I don't trust what's going on. You know, the, the other part of that is what we're seeing is a combining of hospital corporations. And the goal, I believe, is to get to maybe 20 or 30 hospital systems across the United States that handle all of the hospitals. So there are no independent hospitals. And at that point, we have socialized medicine because Medicare is going to drive everything that happens. And if they don't adhere to it, they don't get compensated. And if you adhere, you get more money. Right. Well, you know, I I was um, trying to think statistically what I was trying. There was a a statistic about uh, individual doctor have like 70% of the doctors or something like that were independent, but they had hospital rights. 
to right. to treat in the hospital. But now, with this uh, after Obamacare, um, we had one percent. Uh, so we went from like seventy percent to one percent in a very very short period of time. So that means that your doctor, if you have a if you have a physician that's outside of their system, uh, they can't do anything to help you once you're in the hospital. Well, that's and, true. We don't. Uh, we actually opted out of having hospital privileges mm-hmm. uh, because we did not want to be forced to take on. Because if you have hospital privileges, you have to take on patients that aren't yours. Oh. Mm-hmm. And since we don't take insurance, that would not have been something that we really wanted to to do, mm-hmm. because that would not have been good for us, right? Because we couldn't get paid, mm-hmm. and you know that doesn't work very well. If you're actually trying to make a living, you have to be able to get paid. So we opted not to do that. Um, but what's happening, and and you're right, and the numbers that's a that one percent's a little low. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the numbers that we have been reading are that for the first time in the history of the medical industry, over 50% of the private physicians are now affiliated with a hospital corporation, okay. which means that when you go to your doctor and now he's affiliated with a, um, with a medical corporation, a hospital medical corporation, he no, is no longer actually doing what's best for you. Well, it's kind of like, like hiring an attorney. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> Same problem. Yeah. It is. And, you know, so, so the, the whole thing here, and, and um, there's a goal right now of what they're trying to do. And that goal is to actually build a healthcare system that is controlled by the government. They want everybody to be all their medical records, everything to be controlled by the, by the federal government. That's what they're driving to. It is, you know, they're trying to do Obamacare is what they're trying to do. They're trying to actually make doctors no longer treating patients as independent thinkers, but treating patients as just a number. Oh, this is patient number 3147, and they have this kidney disease. So here's what the government says these people get. And that's where we're driving right now. And it's scary because I don't know about you guys, but I certainly don't want a doctor who is not allowed to think tell me what I should and should not do. And right. we, we have a patient right now who uh, is her primary care physician is in a big hospital corporation. And he told her, when she got sick with COVID, under no circumstances should you ever take hydroxychloroquine because it's unsafe. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is we're we're back to the buyer beware. I mean, I've always <laughs> I, I, I've always been there with that because it's like personally, I don't care who the doctor is, I don't trust them. That's my experience and how I grew up. But you know, yeah, you're on your own there, right? Yep. Um, it be more inaccurate but yeah it's really bad i i see this um you know i i had a more simplistic view i didn't understand all the money thing i had um, more of a they get this much for this and this much for that which i think is is to a certain degree valid but certainly the the protocols that they have for anyone that they they can slap the covid sticker on they you know the remdesivir and all that they you know they're they're trying to run you down this chute and i you know they do get a lot of money bottom line is 
they get a lot of money if you die. <laughs> they get more money if you die than if you live. That's what it comes down to. And this is really not, not good medical uh, right. way to base your medical system. But with that, um, I think we're, we're actually a little bit over the time and I need to take us out and we'll be right back after the break. Our show tonight is Ambush on Humanity and our special guest is Brian Isley and I am uh, Netta and I'm co-hosting with Kinthea and Timothy Saunders. We'll be right back. The other side of midnight.com talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. for the Green Revolution 2.0 is called Gates Ag-1, and it's highly funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates. The mission statement is all about how we must accelerate the deployment of new technologies to indigenous farmers, and it's gonna help them with climate change, right? It all, again, it all ties back to that. And we must go in and take their heirloom genetics away from them, right? These, these precious, uh, hardy, resilient seeds that have fed those people in various parts of the world for generations, for, for hundreds of generations in some cases, and replace them instead with newly genetically engineered, CRISPR modified, bastardized. That's why I say they're defiling the food supply. Ag tech, as it's called. And so this is why we now need to introduce the idea of a acute food crisis. And I would suggest that they have engineered, and we're staring right now down the barrel of this is the, the urgency in tonight's conversation uh, of an engineered food shortage. And they will use this food shortage, which you're starting to see now around the world, especially as the big bread baskets have started to experience crop failures. And they're shutting down their exports of grains, corn and soybean prices are rising precipitously. That means that the countries that depend on those exports, the net importers, are all already experiencing food crises. And so this is spreading around the world right now. And what will happen as we, you know, as we get through this is you'll see the media and these think tanks and the UN, all these, all these players will point at the problem. It's just the Hegelian dialectic again, right? They'll say, now you see, because of climate change, this mm -hmm. is why we're having these food shortages and of course the pandemic. And this is why, this is why we have to move into indoor vertical farms and lab-grown meat. 
and this, you, there's no option. Now, now you feel the pain, and now you see why we've been doing this. We've had your interests at heart the whole time. We're from the government. We're here to help. <laughs> right? So the, the, there, there's an acute crisis situation that we're now walking into, and that will be used to bring all of this nasty technology in. This is Christian Westbrook with the Ice Age Farmer, and you're listening to the other side of the news. Welcome back. You're returning to the other side of the news. My name is Timothy Saunders. I'm co-hosting with Kintia and Annette Driscoll. And tonight we have Brian Isley. Just before the break, Annette, you were on a roll, I have to say. And I think it's better that you continue with Brian because uh, the conversation is developing in a very interesting direction. So I'm going to hand the mic back to you, Annette. Thank you. Well, uh Actually, I did want to shift gears ever so slightly on this with you, Brian, because we know that everything actually comes back down to money and the banksters in life as we live it right now. But uh, and we also know that they've, they've orchestrated this whole thing. It's, it's uh, by design, um, by their design. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the studies that have come out this week, so people understand. And uh, you know, there's the Scotland study, uh, the one in Canada, UK, and then there was also the interesting congressional. Uh, um, I don't know what you call it. It wasn't a hearing. It was, but it was a, a con- congressional presentation by Thomas Rents, uh, Senator Ron Johnson. I'll put that on. So, would you like to comment on any of that? I mean, there's a lot there. I know that's a huge. <laughs> that's huge. <laughs> oh, that's about a three-hour conversation, bare minimum. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess we're going to segue into the vaccines, which is fine. Um, it's one of my favorite topics. So, this this week we are we are seeing much more exposure to the reality of what is occurring. And there are lots of studies. So uh, specifically what you're referring to, um, and I'm going to go to Canada first because I really like this study. Uh, This was from Alberta, Canada. And what they did was they actually, this is Canadian data from the uh, National Health Service of Canada. And interestingly enough, and before I go into it, it's fascinating. They posted this data. Three days later, they took it down because they did not want people to know what the truth was. So what we're talking about here is the vaccine efficacy. And there was a group of people who were unvaccinated, and then there's a group of people who were vaccinated. Their data from Alberta, Canada, 
shows that after the first vaccination, so they're doing two vaxes, right? One and then two, three, uh, three weeks later. After the first vax, 85% of the hospitalizations for COVID, this is at days one to 20. So within 20 days after getting the first vax, of all the people hospitalized with COVID, 85 or 58% were vaccinated. After the first vax, days one through 20, 35% of the COVID deaths were from the newly vaxxed. Now, what this indicates is that the vaccine actually is causing people to come down with COVID. And when they do, it's severe. You know, I mean, that's a lot of people. Now, the interesting thing was 56% of the COVID-19 deaths had the first vax within 14 days, but they were categorized as unvaxed because Canada did not, just like here in the U.S., and this this is what we're seeing in the data. In the U.S., because the CDC's rule is you cannot be considered fully vaccinated until 14 days after your second shot. So basically what they're doing is they're cooking the books because we know from all the data that the people who die from the vax die within the first 20 days. It's the data is there. This is CDC data. You cannot argue it. But they're calling them unvaxxed because they don't because the vaccine is what's killing them. But they're not talking about it because, you know, God forbid the government here in the U.S. would actually be honest. You know, England, at least, is honest. You know, they're telling the truth. Uh, There's an England study which um, is fascinating about the vaccine efficacy. And what they're showing is that after 90 days, the vaccine efficacy turns negative. Now, what that means is that when you go negative, that means that if you had the vax, you are more likely to get sick than if you didn't have the vax. At 120 days, it's a negative efficacy of 38%. At 180 days, it can be up to 140%. So in other words, if you took the vax, you are 140 times more likely to get sick from COVID than if you didn't take the vax. Right. So this this goes back to, I mean, we could could get deep into the the science here, but uh, we want to cover some other stuff. But uh, how that's working, I mean, the mechanism with the spike, the, you know, the, the one spike protein out of the 17 right. that are there and all that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's because your body is, is producing toxins and it's having to deal with that. It's also focused on one thing and one thing only, which, as we know, um, natural immunity doesn't work like that. Right. I find it really interesting that, you know, every other uh, immunization previous to this one, Every doctor, especially even pediatricians, will tell you this, that natural immunity is vastly superior to any immunization because it, uh, your body recognizes a wider spectrum. And a really good example of that is the, the SARS-CoV-1 
which was now 18 years ago that that was introduced. That was a bioengineered one. And uh, it came out, and the people that got it, they still have full immunity. And this SARS-CoV-2 uh, is 20, the, the, the genetic matchup is about 80%. And, but it still recognizes natural immunity from, from the one recognizes SARS-CoV-2. But they're trying to tell us that these, um, uh, these like uh, variants, they say, which that's interesting since they never isolated the original, but you know, let's skip that part. <laughs> but you know, here we, we've got this thing that's like a 0.3 uh, percent var variation on the supposed original, and yet, oh no, it can't recognize that. So, well, what do you what do you say to that? Well, there is no question when you look at the the, the data part of it, when you get down to the weeds, okay, and mm -hmm. look at the technical piece of it. The problem with the vaccine, if you want to call it that, I actually call it a bioweapon. Yeah. Um, lethal injection. I have lethal a lot injection. Names. You got lots of names for it, right? Yeah. Um, so the problem with it is that there are 29 proteins in the, in the coronavirus. They targeted one protein out of the 29. Mm -hmm. so, when, so what happens is because it's a very leaky vaccine and it doesn't really protect you, it, it actually forces the virus to mutate faster, right. which is what we're seeing, right? So from the data I have read, the Delta variant actually created three spike proteins instead of one. So the Delta variant had three spike proteins, which, mm -hmm. of course, then the vaccine has no efficacy against because it's different. And it doesn't work. Whereas natural immunity, you're getting all 29 right, right. off the bat. And it's natural immunity has proven that it handles variants because the variants are so the same. In fact, um, in 2020, February 2020, one of our suppliers, um, a nutraceutical company called Designs for Health, did a uh, webinar. And in it, they actually talked about all of this. So we learned about all of this very early on that you know, your natural immunity um, is going to be better. And they actually had a study that showed if you had been exposed to five other viruses, five other coronaviruses, uh, and I'm going to probably name the wrong ones, but one of them I think was H1K1 and there were a couple other ones. They are so genetically similar that you should have natural immunity. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, for one, we have a test now that we run. It's called a T-cell immunity test, and where we actually look at whether or not you actually have T-cells that will fight off the coronavirus. Um, I have not had COVID as far as I know. I may have had it in February of 2020. I'm not really sure. I mean, I, my daughter got sick, and I think maybe you know I had a slight bug for a couple of days. I ran that T-cell test on myself, and I have natural immunity to COVID. So I'm a firm believer. My, my wife and I got really sick a couple of years ago with a nasty flu. And I believe that was one of the flus that gives you the natural immunity. And um, as a result, you know, I've never had any problems with it. And my wife, you know, we've, we've been treating, you know, COVID sick patients in our office for, you know, going on almost two years now. And she hasn't gotten sick either. 
So now we didn't run, she didn't want to do the T cell test, so we didn't do it on her. But I will let you out, she has natural immunity. And it doesn't matter what variant comes along, you're still going to have natural immunity to it. They, they've been trying to say, oh, we don't know what natural immunity is and how long it lasts and all that crap. But, you know, I, I roll back to good old measles, mumps, and chicken pox, right? Well, yeah, I mean, in the, the 1918 flu, they had people, they tested 90-something years later. They still had the immunity. They still had the, the cells. Right. So, so I'm yeah. not believing for a second that we don't know about natural immunity. They just don't want to admit to natural immunity because there's money involved in it. Absolutely. And, and yeah. if they admit that natural immunity is better, then now they've got egg on their face because they've been pushing so hard on this vaccine. And it is just something that in my mind, it is just strictly, well, it's about two things, control and money, both. And, you know, the control factors come in and we, and we can roll into that too. But the control factors come in, in that, you know, if you don't get this jab, then you can't go to dinner, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so on and so forth. And, you know, that's a, that's a control thing because they want you to behave in a certain way. And this is what that's driving to is to get you to conform, to get us to conform. They want us to be like Nazi Germany where all the people just rolled over and went along with the crowd. And that's what's happening here in the U.S. We have a lot of people who are rolling over. And they are going, oh, well, you know, I want to go to Europe, so I'm going to take the shot because I want to You better get there fast before you croak. Before you croak, exactly. Well, actually, we've said that to a few people as well. That's great. You know, you're going to get to see Italy. I hope you remember it when you croak, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I hope it was worth it because in my mind, it's not worth it. You know, if I can't travel out of the U.S., so be it. I just won't. And I'll just enjoy what we have here and make the best of what we have in this country because we got a lot in this country to be thankful for and a lot of things that most people have never seen. So, you know, the idea of traveling to another country is great, but I will not do it at the sack to sacrifice my health. You know, I just absolutely will not do that. All right. Well, you've got a bunch of you got to have a, a lot of kindred souls on this this show because none of us will. You know, we're, we're we're that we're that group that's completely non-compliant. Yes. Yep. Well, we so, love non-compliance. Non-compliance is awesome. So Timothy, right, Timothy, do you want to step in, or what would you like? Well, I, I've been enjoying the conversation so far as a listener. Um, oh. I'm just wondering what I can contribute to this point. I, I know that you guys were uh, discussing some bullet points before the show, and I, I imagined that you were going to roll out through some more of those first. But I mean, I, we, we can, sure, I, I can talk if you like, but uh, well, where, where should we take this? Well, if, if, I, if I was going to continue, I was going to get into the, um, the HIPAA stuff and the oh, privacy. Fantastic. And, uh, and the beginning of, you know, and, and the die-off stuff. But, Timothy, take it where you'd like. So. Well, I think we should go there. But just before we do, I, I, I would just like to interject a little bit. I, I think that, you know, as we're saying, actually, as Brian was saying earlier, it's, it's very easy to jump in and say, oh, look, you know, we have a reprieve. We have this interval. It, it's, uh, 
you know, we, we've won, you know, and so on. I think it's far too early for this, unfortunately. Um, I, I think I, I, it, it's, it's a point where I believe the authorities are stepping back intentionally uh, with a view to see how the people will police each other. For example, the doctor that had the sign on her, her office door, Brian, you mentioned, you know, do not enter. I mean, if you look at how many people are actually reporting each other, how many people are still um, adhering so strictly to these, you know, and I'm sorry, but ridiculous mask protocols, social distancing protocols, and so on and so on and so on, not even going into the vax area, but just those things alone, people are still so brainwashed with these. You still see people driving down the road on their own with <laughs> at least one mask on. Uh, these people are the deputized leaders that will police the rest of the public, I believe. I think I think the authorities are stepping back uh, to see how well they're going to do. And then they can step back in again at the next step. Because I don't think it's anything to do with health, as we've, as we've already had laid. Um, ad nauseum, actually. It, it's all about control. It's all about um, the money. Um, and we have a lot, a lot, a lot more milestones to go over yet before this thing is anywhere near over. And that's just the, the money thing alone. For example, Brian, maybe you're not aware, but uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the economy, especially uh, in in Turkey. I remember Anessa was asking my my feet on the ground uh, opinion about what's going on here in Turkey, for example. And, you know, it, it's like one of these movies where you see a, a tsunami, you can see the wave and it's coming closer and closer to you. Um, some people do see a, you know, a huge wave, a crest breaks over and there's foam and everything else. But following the first wave, the, the, the sea level just increases. It just keeps on rising and rising and rising. And that's not a bad analogy. It's not a very nice analogy. But here in Turkey, we've seen uh, the inflation rate rise to 36% is the official amount right now. And I've seen it coming. We've seen it coming for weeks, for months. But the point is, it's only this week, this very, this, uh, this very week, that things, you know, this change starts to affect people in a, in a sort of chain reaction. So, for example, the owner of the property that I rent, uh, in the contract, there's a clause that, well, he's entitled to increase the amount of rent by the official government amount. So the official government amount is 36%. So, hey, my rent went up 36% yesterday. And not only that, but car rentals, they go up. 36%. You know, the fuel's already tripled in three months. Uh, that's, you know, gasoline prices, uh, energy, gas, and electricity has doubled pretty much in the last uh, two or three months. And then you have broadening out slightly. I'm just putting this foundation in. Maybe we can come back to it and relate this to maybe what's to come. But uh, then we have here one of the the Turkish export industry was, was pretty successful actually last year. It's one of the best years, strangely enough. Um, but the lack of 
um, foreign currencies held it within this current state uh, have been declining because they've been used to sort of prop up the, the value of the local currency here. So the government has asked for local industries, not local, but yes, local industries to sell back their foreign or 25% of their foreign currencies to the central bank. And not only that, but also the gas, which comes strangely enough from outside of Turkey, um, from surrounding countries, that price has also gone up. So there's not sufficient money to buy the gas, which means there's not sufficient gas to make electricity in, the, in some of the power stations, which means that some of the main industrial producers in the country have been told to shut down for 10 days. So industry, which was one of the, well, I should say probably the strongest uh, arm at the moment, and certainly the strongest arm you need to, to maintain sort of financial stability, uh, is being hindered because they've lost 25% of their foreign uh, currencies. They cannot work technically for the next 10 days or so, some of them. And like I say, I mean, this whole chain reaction, we've seen it coming, but we know about it. We know why pretty much. But the point is, it's still here. <laughs> it's still around us. We're up to our knees now in water. <laughs> and, uh, um, that's how quickly it can happen, even when you know it's happening. Uh, but what can you do about it? You know, it, it, it's, it's, it, can you fly? No, because you need to be jabbed. Uh, can you... Um, you know, take a huge savings bank account and remove your gold bars and trade them in for cash. Well, no, I, I didn't, you know, make that, I didn't prepare for that. I didn't throw away lots of gold bars previously in my life. So unfortunately, I can't do that either. Uh, I don't own my own property. So, well, I'm, I'm stuck with the contract with my landlord and so on and so on and so on. So basically, here we are uh, in this situation. Now, this this is something which I think should serve as a, as a, a wake-up call for, for people in other areas because 36% inflation is huge. Uh, I think the, in the UK, they're, they're sort of having kittens because it's something in the region of 6%. I may be wrong with that figure, but it's something in that order, magnitude. So imagine adding 30 to that. And, uh, well... That's what I'd like to add at this stage. Maybe it will act as a foundation for your future conversation, Annette. <laughs> well, you know, we, we've talked about this, and this is actually taking us in a, in a different direction, but, uh, you know, we've talked about it previously, and it is of my opinion that this whole system is being systematically dismantled. Uh, it was intentional from the central banking systems around the world. Unfortunately for them, and fortunately for us, it, it isn't going as they planned as far as they have no cover. It's, it's fully exposed. And so the people are seeing it. Unfortunately, the people have to go through it because we must um, have the demise of a financial system that we've been living under the tyranny of, which creates the slavery system, which goes back to the medical system. I mean, it's all part of the same system. It's very interesting how they track, they're trying to track everything. Now they are in the U.S., and Brian, I'm sure you can speak to this, but in the United States, they are currently um, creating a database uh, with, I, I, can't, I think it's like 25, or that might be wrong, uh, or separate organizations. If you request a religious 
exemption. Basically, they're targeting you if you have a religious belief. And even, and so you're trying to get a religious exemption from a vaccine. So this whole thing is very nefarious, it, but it all goes back to the money where we were talking before. And we are going to go through this. By the way, I don't know, Timothy, how they're calculating it in Turkey, but here, here the cost of living, interestingly enough, it's, a, it's manipulated, just like Brian was saying about a lot of these statistics. Here, it doesn't include rent uh, or housing costs. It does not include any energy costs, including fuel for your car or any other thing like electricity, and it does not include food. Now, I find that fascinating because as far as I know, everyone I know is having to buy food, is using some kind of energy, generally has some kind of roof over their head unless they're living under the freeway. So, so what, what, what they're doing is basically judging or judging and creating the inflation rate based on all the things which are not inflating. That's exactly. wonderful. Yeah. Yes, yes. We're, so we're at that special time, Annette. Yeah, oh, we are already. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> you want to take us out, Timothy? Why not? Okay, well, you're listening to our show this evening with Brian Isley, and it's entitled Ambush on Humanity. We're going to go to the break, and we'll soon be back with Kintia and Anessa and myself, Timothy. Take a look at what is going on with us now. You have vax or no vax. You have mandates or no mandates. You have uh, pharmacies who are not allowed to make a pres- prescriptions on substances that they don't, you know, <laughs> that big pharma doesn't want them to have anymore. Somebody's in control of something. There's going to be a time, follow the money, where you're going to say, hey, Something really inappropriate has gone on here. We're being controlled. I mean, it's, it's one thing to, to have mandates and all these. It's another thing to shut people up who say, I would like to talk about this a little bit. No, you don't. You're not going to talk. And, and so we have uh, you know, people like uh, Dr. Mercola being shut down. That is not us. That's not how we operate. People ought to at least be allowed to have an opinion and state the opinion and and have uh, say uh, I'd like you to know that a good immune system is going to help you so here are the things for a good immune system but I'm sorry you can't buy them anymore because we're not allowed to so something's going on so that my friend is going to be exposed that's another thing that you're seeing for a while and it won't last forever so it's there now but believe me it ain't going to stay because the light's going to be turned on, just like the, the abuse of the, uh, that I've just talked about, of both women and kids with priests and all. It's here in an ugly way, and eventually it's going to be seen. Christ says there'll be revelations, there may be even a movie about it. It's going to be the same thing that happened when we found out with tobacco, that they were, of course, addicting our children, and they had a cartoon, and they knew that it caused cancer. And... You know what happened with that. We shut that, basically shut that down, and now we don't smoke anymore. Hi there, this is Lee Carroll. I want to tell you about the other side of the news. 
in these days where we're not really hearing much good news or perhaps even what's really happening, that's where the other side of the news is different. And in that, you're going to hear not only controversy, but you're going to hear great things. There are going to be joyful things, too. I just got done with one of the broadcasts, and I encourage you to take a listen with myself and Monica. But the other side of the news, that's what we need more of in these times. And welcome back to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is Brian Isley. This is Kinthea together with Timothy Saunders and Annette Driscoll. show is called Ambush on Humanity. And this is the other side of the news. So, Brian, I am one of those people that I always like to hear the personal impact of life and how it's going. And... Before the show, you were mentioning to me about your father's journey, and you just touched lightly on it, and I thought perhaps our audience could really benefit from hearing about what happened with your father. Sure. Um, Luckily, I'm far enough away from it now that I won't uh, lose it over it, but... um... So my father, um, against my wishes, chose to get vaccinated uh, three weeks before he became ill. And um, one day I got a phone call from him saying, um, you know, I'm heading to the hospital. I have pneumonia. And that caused me great concern, to say the least. So I flew down to Texas where he lives. And Unfortunately, I got the, well, I actually, the the night he was admitted, I called up and I talked to the charge nurse and I said, can you tell me what's going on with my father? And she said, well, we've admitted him for pneumonia. Um, We did notice some irregularities in the x-ray we took on his lungs. Now, what that led me, that initial comment led me to believe that maybe they thought that he had uh, like lung cancer or something. He was 88 years old and healthy as a horse, walked three miles a day. And so I was having a hard time believing that because I talked to him, you know, the day before he was admitted and he was perfectly fine. So I said to them, well, you know, we've been seeing a lot of blood clots in people's lungs because of the vaccine. And I would like you to run what's called a D-dimer test. And their response was, that's not our protocol. Hmm. That's what you were talking about before. It's their Mm -hmm. way to step around the real issue there. Right. And I said to him, well, you know, I'd really, really like it if you would run a D-dimer test on him because I, our experience is that this is blood clots because he didn't have any fluid in his lungs, but he couldn't breathe. So that inflammation caused by the spike protein in that vaccine keeps your lungs from being able to absorb oxygen. Mm -hmm. And therefore you feel like you can't breathe, right? So I'm like, you know, I was like, oh, boy, this is not good. And I just had this inkling that it was not going to turn out well. So I flew down. By the time I got there, he had already had a stroke and a massive heart attack. Oh, goodness. From blood clots. And when they ran his D-dimer, which was after he had stroked, uh, it's supposed to be 0.5 or less. And it was 2,100, which means his body was riddled with blood clots. 
So in that case, could they have even done anything? Oh, certainly. They absolutely could have. Um, they could mm-hmm. have used a couple of uh, drugs that would dissolve those blood clots, and he would have, he would have survived. Uh-huh. But he went three days in the hospital while his body was creating blood clots. Mm-hmm. And they just refused to do anything other than adhere to their protocol. Now, I'm curious, did they, did they know that you were a CEO director of a medical, yes, and, and they, they still refused? They still refused. And my wife, who is a doctor, on the phone asked them specifically to run that D-dimer test. And she said, I'm a doctor. And I would really like it if you would do that. And they said, it's not our standard protocol. We cannot do it. And, you know, three days later, he strokes. And four days later, he's dead. So can you go after them legally now? Oh, absolutely, I can. This is what's known as medical malfeasance. So there's malpractice, which is when, oops, I made a mistake. Malfeasance is when you willfully and knowingly refuse to give them a treatment or a test that would show that they needed a treatment. That's Mm -hmm. malfeasance. So it's willful misconduct. And they willfully, because the test cost 20 bucks. Oh, gosh. And you couldn't say to them, we'll pay for the test? You know, at the time, I didn't think to say that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I will always second guess that the rest of my life because I didn't uh-huh. think to do that because I do believe my father would still be with us if that had not happened. Mm-hmm. But what that told me was what we've already talked about is that the medical community is run by big corporations the and the accountants, and it's also run in order to adhere to what the government says to do. And that's where we are. You know, we are at the point of big government actually telling and and saying that the medical community is going to do this. And because of the dollars, they're willingly mistreating people. I mean, I cannot begin to tell you the number of people that we have taken out of the hospital because they're not treating them. You know, we had a patient the other day who actually said that she went into the hospital. They asked if she was vaccinated. When she told them no, they put her in a room with three other people who were unvaccinated, and they wouldn't even come in and treat them. And that was a local hospital here. Oh, my goodness. So Because they're making a distinction between vaccinated and unvaccinated. And if you're vaccinated, you get treatment. If you're not vaccinated, you don't. And she said, now, again, this is secondhand, right? I mean, I don't know if this nurse actually said that, but she basically said, well, if you'd gotten vaccinated, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> the data shows exactly the opposite, which if you have been vaccinated – you are much more likely to be there than if you're not vaccinated. So, you know, this is a, this is a very interesting thing. And, and for the listeners, um, you, everybody who's listening needs to understand at this point that the hospitals are not there for you. The doctors are not there for you. 
They are there to do what the government tells them to do. It is called compliance. So if you end up with a loved one in the hospital, the first thing you have to start doing is questioning absolutely everything they tell you. Show me. Prove to me. Because I don't believe you. Because, you know, right now the hospitals are killing people right Right. and left. I mean, you know, this – I'm sorry, go ahead. I have a loved one who has been in the hospital with heart surgery and so on. And he, I'm like his medical advocate. So they, we went into the ER and they gave us this form that, you know, allow us to treat him. And I wrote on there with Annette's help, <laughs> absolutely no remdesivir, Methuselah, or anything with those generic yep. names and no intubation. And I had him sign it. And so they have that in it, in his chart. And the first nurse looked at that and said, what's this? And I said, well, it's this, this, and this. Oh, oh, oh. He was kind of really surprised to see that someone had written that on the form. Well, you have to. I mean, you have to. You know, remdesivir specifically, um, I am quite certain, is the cause of about 30 to 35% of the COVID deaths. Mm-hmm. Because once you give that to someone, their kidneys fail so fast, it's not even funny. And since I haven't gotten the medical records yet from my father, but I'm very interested to see them because when I got there, they told me he was in renal failure. And I'm like, "Um, my dad had no kidney problems. Right. And... I am very interested to see, even though he never tested positive for COVID, if they gave him remdesivir, and I'll bet they did. Yeah, I just wonder if they'd try and cover it up. Well, of course they will. Of course they will. You know, they know, the doctor knows she screwed up. She apologized to me for not doing the right thing. (laughs) That won't help. Didn't help. Just made me angrier, or maybe I can say this, I apologize if I offend anybody, but I was pissed off, and I still am. And I don't, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not vindictive by nature, but on this one, yeah, these people need to go down. They are not, um, they're not doing the right thing at all. And I personally think that any physician, any nurse that knowingly and willingly goes along with this is acting criminally and they should be taken, brought up on charges. I really do. Mm-hmm. If they are not willing to do the research or if they're not willing to listen, I mean, all you have to do is just go and do the research yourself because it's there. It shows clearly, you know, that remdesivir is deadly. I mean, Africa, it's banned because it killed a ton of people. And then yet the FDA yesterday proves it to be used in, host, in office, doctor's offices as a COVID in treatment. In doctor's offices? Yeah. Yeah, wow. they proved it yesterday. Wow. Oh, yeah. You know, and, um, you know, of course, they, they, the FDA yesterday yanked monoclonal antibodies. Now, Um, after I've done research on them, I'm fairly concerned about them myself. 
Now, the FDA did it because they're saying that they don't see the clinical uh, value in it on Omicron, which is total crock. Uh, but we actually are seeing already that there is an uptick in cancer among the people who are getting the monoclonals, mm-hmm. uh, which was a concern. Um, but because we know that, you know, this is a synthetic antibody that is grown on mouse kidney cells. And there's cancer in those kidney cells. So it's not a surprise that we're starting to see that. And, and that kind of segues into this other part that you wanted to go into earlier, which is the com- upcoming storm. Yeah, I wanted to step in here really quickly with that. But, uh, yeah, I, I heard some very um, uh, disturbing things on the monoclonal antibodies. Uh, Carrie Made did an excellent presentation on that, if anybody's interested uh, on some of the issues around those. I, I wouldn't be taking them myself. I'd be in complete agreement with you, Brian, on that. But I do want to talk about the beginning, what we're starting to see with the die-off. The, you know, yep. we've, we've been hearing about it through the cracks. And, you know, I personally know quite a few people. I, I am starting to not know anyone who isn't knowing people that have died from this. Actually, I don't know anyone. But, um, so we've got this. We've also got insurance companies. The most conservative one is a life increase in the die-off rate over the running average of the all-cause mortality for the last five years. So this is significant, um, and that's the more conservative one. Some of them are much higher, like 67%, things like that. And I personally, I have a friend who has a uh, mortuary business, and it's extremely high. So I wanted to talk about that. Take oh, it away there. Absolutely. Um, so you're talking about One America Life, which is out of Indianapolis, Indiana, and their mm-hmm. CEO did a conference call, an earnings call on January the 3rd. And in that earnings call, he brought up the fact that in 2021 over 2020, there were 40% more deaths than there were in those other two years that the COVID death claims were dropped by 50%. So it wasn't COVID. And if you look at CDC data specifically, in 2020, there were 452,000 approximately heart attacks that were deaths. In 2021, 775,000. That is the highest amount ever. Also, same thing with strokes. And if you look at 2020 and 2019 versus 2021, what is the difference? There is only one difference, and that is the vaccine. There is no other difference. And this is the tip of the iceberg because that curve started in July of 2021. So prior to July of 2021, that there was still kind of running along the same curve as it was in 20 and 19. And then starting in July, it took a massive upsurge and it is still escalating as we speak. So and, Cliff, Cliff High, uh, if people don't know, I, I do listen to Cliff High. And Cliff High has, uh, he does predictive linguistic uh, you know, uh, programming things. 
And uh, he has said that he feels that this, and, and I would agree with this, that this is going to be uh, an exponential uh, increase over the next three years. So that would be up through 2024, he's saying. So where do you feel that is? I, I personally agree with it. Oh, I totally agree with it. There's no question. We're, we're just starting to see it at this point. Just yeah. starting to see it. And it is going to get worse because unfortunately, when you look at what this so-called vaccine does to the immune system, it disables it. Mm-hmm. So it makes people more susceptible. Now, what's really fascinating is there are statistics coming out of the CDC again uh, that cancer is exploding right yep. now. Yep. Exploding. My mom is a great example, totally healthy, totally healthy, active, and all of a sudden three kinds of cancer all at once. Oh, my gosh, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, you're also seeing a lot of um, uptick in autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, if you look at what's been going on and you look at the vaccine or so-called vaccine and what it does in, in depressing your immune system, it makes sense that autoimmune would be exploding as well. But it's fascinating. So, uh, and I kind of want to get into this, although it's kind of creepy at the same time. So, um, I personally think that all of this is intentional. I think that this is completely engineered. And one of the things that I noticed very early on in the deaths were the very specific types of death by sex. Mm -hmm. So if you look, in men, it's heart issues, right? Yes, Of various kinds, right? Well, what's the number one killer of men? Heart attacks, right? Mm-hmm. Women, one of the major causes of death is strokes. And you'll notice that in the death data, strokes are very big in females, along with um, reproductive system issues, right? So my premise has been from day one, since this is genetically engineered, and they're giving DNA, they're messenger RNA delivers a message to alter the genome. That's what it does. That's what its sole purpose is, is to alter the genome. Who's to say that they have not given instructions that are specific to male-female? Now, I think it's more nefarious than that, but it's a way to disguise the dangers of this vaccine, because I remember, you know, six months ago, when people started dropping dead of heart attacks on the street, you know, the 50-year-old guy with no heart problems, just keels, right? They said, oh, that's normal. Men die all the time of heart attacks. Oh, that's normal. Women die all the time from strokes. So they, I think they were trying to disguise it. Now, here's the creepy part. If you have not watched... I think the movie is called A Time to Kill, which is the James Bond movie that just came out earlier this year, or last year, I'm sorry. It was mid-year last year, I believe. In it, the villain steals a bioweapon from the English government MI6. It is a messenger RNA bioweapon. 
which can be used to target a specific individual based on their DNA and kill them. Now think about this for a second. What have we been doing here in the U.S. for the last 10 years? We have been harvesting DNA under the guise of Ancestry and 23andMe. Mm-hmm. We have no idea where, those da- where that data goes, right? And then what have we been doing for the last two years? We've been doing swabs way up your nose. DNA. It's an interesting premise, right, that they can take your DNA if you are one of those people like I am and like you are, and they can target us because they know our DNA. There's a couple of interesting points here, Brian. I don't want to kill your punchline, but the Bond movie was originally going to be launched, I think, at least a year earlier. It was delayed due to COVID. And we can understand why it probably was delayed due to COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it would have perhaps uh, reduced the queues in the uh, lines of people rolling up their sleeves waiting for the jab. Um, the, uh, yeah, that, 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 that is... That is amazing. So uh, uh, they're telling us what they're doing just after everyone's committed to doing it. Not everyone, but a lot of people. Sorry, back to you. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, you know, there's, there's so much about this. It's really fascinating. And so, Ken, one second. Can we possibly jump a little further down that rabbit hole? Because we had a guest, Carrie Made, early on, the first time we had her, and she was talking about gathering the DNA and the uh, eighth chromosome, the God gene, etc. And I had just mentioned how they were uh, gathering all the data on all the people that for religious exemptions. And uh, there seems to be, there is a genetic, um, Bill Gates talks about, there is a thing in the DNA that they can actually tell whether someone has that inclination, whether they're going to be a nonconformist. They're one and the same, by the way. Um, do you think they're targeting for that? I mean, like, we're going to just jump right down there. Uh, what do you think? Well, I have to admit, up until the other day, I had not thought about that. And then there was someone with a similar but slightly different premise mm-hmm. that um, <clears throat> there are still some direct descendants of um, – Oh, geez, I'm trying to think which, uh, not, it starts with an S, I'm drawing a blank, uh, Samuel. Uh-huh. And that they've been gathering uh, DNA to try and find those direct descendants so they can target them because they're worried about the second coming of Christ. And they, uh-huh. they want to eliminate any of those direct descendants of Samuel because they have royal blood, which I thought was interesting. So it's similar concept, different Attacked, mm-hmm. but I hadn't really thought about why they were targeting certain individuals, right? But it does make sense. And of course, they want to, they definitely want to get rid of those of us who are speaking out and are nonconformist in the sense of not conforming to what they want us to be. So, yeah, I actually think that's distinctly possible. It is very concerning to me, in fact, that they have this technology. And you know, dialing back a little bit, one of the things that's interesting about what's going on in the healthcare industry right now, because they'll kind of pull it all together, is 
about 10, 12 years ago now, they started pushing electronic health records. In fact, they were required to be implemented if you were taking any kind of governmental money by 2014. You had to have an electronic health record system. Why? Why do you care? Right? They want to track. They want this. So the interesting part is there is one company that is involved in all of this, and it's called Change Healthcare. And Change is the data backbone for everything that goes on in the medical world. And they are trying to tie into the banking industry. They are trying to, oh yeah, oh yeah, they want to tie into everything so that you can end up with what they are calling a social score. (laughs) This is why we don't want the digital currency in the form of the centralized bank. Right. This is why the right. centralized bank has to go away. Yeah, we've talked about this before. But yeah. So it's really interesting how when you start digging into all of this, there is so much here. And, you know, most people, because, you know, let's face it, uh, the average Joe is not going to sit here and do the digging that we do to try and understand what the real end game is here. But it is about control. It is about wanting us to behave, you know, and it is also, in my opinion, about population control and reducing the population to something that's more manageable because you can't manage 8 million, 8 billion people. You cannot. Mm -hmm. It's just not possible. But you certainly can manage, you know, maybe a billion people if you have the right tools. So, you know, this is really fascinating to me what's going on right now. And the fact that we now have the technology. See, none of this was possible 20 years ago. But today, all of this is possible because all of this technology infrastructure is all tied together, whether we want to believe it or not. It is. The vaccine passport is here. It's in while you may think that the one in San, Di- in San Francisco is independent of all the other ones, they are oh. not. It is one common system. Right. It is one common system. And, oh, guess who actually owns that system among others? Mm. The head, the CEO of the guy who's pulled it all together is a guy named David Rockefeller. Ah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, another, another little thing I was just going to say, I, I did remember the Ancestry app. I did play with it about 15 years ago, I think it was 12 years ago, something along those lines. I remember one day noting it was just sold for a really high price. I just mm-hmm. wanted to try and bring up that gem, but I was thinking that was like, you know, 10 years ago or something. But I just see that the headline here is the Blackstone Group, this company purchased the majority stake in Ancestry back in August of 2020 for a staggering fee of $4.7 billion. So I guess the value of their asset has really increased in the COVID era. It has. And, you know, Blackstone is invested in everything. They're the major, one of the major investors in almost all the pharmaceutical companies, for example, um, along with the Gates Foundation. Those are one of the two biggies in the pharmaceutical world. So when you start looking at that and then they're buying Ancestry, it's got to make you wonder. 
you know, what's hey, that about? Dear ones, guess what? We're at the end of the show. Are we just getting started? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll guess I'll close then. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to come back and do it again, Ryan. <laughs> My pleasure, anytime. Thank you. Despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists, healers, and innovators, that list is getting long, who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda, to make your own independent research and stop acquiescing, and to stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power and you wake up each day with power. It's entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of the other side of the news. This 87th edition is entitled Ambush on Humanity and remains available at www.theothersideofthenews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders and together with Kintia and Anessa Driscoll, a special thanks to our guest, Brian Isley, our listeners, contributors, and our sound engineer, Keith Morgan. We wish you all a positive week. Of course, reconnecting with you next Friday. Good night. <laughs>